welcome to the AD's Office with Alex Larson and Devin Puckett. What's up, sports fans? The office hours are officially open here in the AD's office for week 16 of the NFL season. I'm Alex. He's Devin. And if you don't already know, Devin is a masterful teller of elephant jokes. Oh, yeah. If you know me, then you know elephant jokes are, like, not my number one thing, but top, like, four for sure. It's, like, kind of a personality trait. Yeah, slightly behind football, but... Right. Really slightly. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we wanted to open up today to talk about some elephant jokes. First and foremost, Alex, I've got a couple questions for you. I want to say, Alex, do you know why elephants have round feet? I don't. It's so that they can walk on lily pads, Alex. Do you know why oh, they sure. need to walk on lily pads? No. No, because they can't walk on water, of course. Oh, that makes sense. And do you know why they need to be able to walk across the water? Why? Because they're not Jesus, so how else are they going to do it? It's a good point. They need the lily pads. It's a good point. Round feet for the lily pads because they're not Jesus. Yeah, that's just what has to be done. Or do, okay. you know my, uh, do you know my favorite gray and electric item? What? An electric elephant. Interesting. Yeah. Did you, did you get one for Christmas? No, no, not quite. But what I did get for Christmas was tickets to the Lions at Vikings game here at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. And let me tell you, history was made, and I was there to see it. And there it is. There's the elephant. There's the elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah, that's it. The Lions, they clinched their first ever NFC North title. The last time they won a division, it was known as the NFC Central, and the Buccaneers were in it. So they've never won this variation of a division before. And quite literally, neither of us were alive when the Lions last won a division. That is correct. Neither of us were alive. It happened in 93. And, man, it felt glorious. Just absolutely glorious. I don't know. It kind of made me sick. <laughs> yeah. Being on the other side of it. And it wasn't so much the losing. I had no issue all season saying that the Lions were probably better than the Vikings. And then when Cousins went down, absolutely better than the Vikings. Right. But the way they lost, or I guess for you, the way they won, it was 30-24, so a relatively close game. The Lions had time of possession advantage by, I think, eight minutes. It was like a 38-minute time of possession. So yep. decent control. Almost identical yards. I think the Lions had like 395, 397 something. And the Vikings had like 390. So almost identical yards on offense. Uh, but the Lions drove down and scored against the Vikings on the opening drive. On the Lions opening drive. First time the Vikings have given up an opening drive touchdown in 10 weeks. And then the Vikings offense had this really... I felt like obvious disadvantage with Nick Mullins. He threw four interceptions. Yeah, it was not great. And you kind of are hitting the nail on the head there. It very much was the Lions lived by the big play and died by the big play. They lived by the big yep. play because they had several plays of 20 plus yards, none of them passing, but they also gave up 
a bunch of 20 plus yard pass passes by Nick Mullins. So he had a day despite his uh his four interceptions. And then on the flip side, big plays for the secondary of the Lions. They picked him off four times. Yeah. Give up a bunch of yards, seal it with an interception. And it is kind of crazy that it was only 30 to 24 for the final score with four interceptions. But Nick Mullins had over 400 yards, led the entire NFL in passing yards over the weekend. He had 18 passes that had more than 15 yards in the air, which is the most of any quarterback, not just this weekend, but in the last two seasons of football. And he is averaging 14.6 air yards. The last quarterback to average over 14 air yards in a season was Brett Captain Gunslinger Favre in 2010. Yeah, that was a while back. And Nick Mullins is not Brett Favre. No, no, he is not. I do think the Lions did that intentionally, though. Not giving up huge plays, but they Mm -hmm. held the Vikings to less than 50 rushing yards, which the Lions have been a top two run defense virtually all season. So that's not news. But right. uh, Yeah, let's make the third or fourth string or whatever you want to consider him quarterback throw the ball around. Obviously, the big plays were still bad for Detroit and good for the Vikes. But they intentionally put the ball in his hand, and they capitalized on it. Yeah, they made they made it a game where Mullins had to go out and win it, and they banked on his inability to do so. And if you're if you're the Vikings, well, a couple compounding factors. One, this is a, this is a bad loss. It was not an ugly loss, all things considered, to keep it close and with a division opponent who you know is the better team. But losing a divisional game almost certainly means the Vikings cannot make the playoffs. They would have to, effectively, they would have to beat the Lions in a couple weeks. And that's going to be significantly more difficult because they lost TJ Hawkins for the rest of the year, who was announced the, a couple days after the game, tore his ACL, MCL, meniscus, just tore his knee apart. If you're the Vikings, you you don't want to win again, right? Yeah, I don't think so, but we've been saying that for two months, right? So, I mean, they're obviously going to keep trying. Yeah, yeah. Let me pander to the Vikings fans for a second. You, as a Lions fan, was the hit on Hawkinson a dirty shot? No. Or just an unfortunate reality of football has eliminated the ability to hit high, and so defenders have to hit low? Yes. Kirby Joseph is not a dirty player. He's not even close to a dirty player. If you go watch interviews of him on things like Good Morning Football, he's more of a sweetheart than he is a football player in all reality. I mean, not to say he's not a good football player. He had, I think, two picks on the day. But Yeah, no, he had he had a good day. Yeah, he had a good day. But he's like four or five inches shorter than TJ Hawkinson and 70 pounds lighter or something like that. He tried to go That's lower. That's substantial. Right. So he tried to go lower in order to not get a penalty, and it ends up being a torn ACL, which is a non-contact injury like 97% of the time. I'm making that number up, but you know what I mean. It happens a lot without dirty play. Right. So if you hit someone and they just happen to be planted at a funny angle, 
it's borderline guaranteed. I don't think it was malicious by any means. I will say I saw a lot of Vikings fans complaining about the officiating, which I think is kind of baloney also, because yeah. it went both ways. It did. I do, th- I do think the roughing the passer called on the Vikings was bad, but a lot was- of Vikings fans also hated the fact that the Jared Goff potential fumble was ruled an incomplete pass when it was very obvious that his hand went forward. So uh, I don't think that there's too much to complain about with the refs there. I think it went both ways. It definitely went both ways. My only issue with the overall feel from the game was the, I would say the cheap shot that Kirby Joseph had on Jefferson. I don't think the Hawk play was a dirty shot. The head to head on Jefferson felt like he was trying to knock him off. I, I don't even think that Jefferson lowered his head too. You gotta, you gotta hit him somewhere. You gotta hit him somewhere. It's it's tough. I mean, he did get flagged for that one. Joseph did. Yes. Uh, the receiver, whether or not you agree with the rule, the receiver has the, I guess, quote unquote, right of way, I'm coming across the middle. And I wouldn't be shocked if Joseph gets fined for that one. I'm okay saying it was just a, the nature of play. I think it was flipped. And it was a Vikings defender who popped Amon Ross St. Brown. I would have said, it's tackle, not flag football. Get over it. Yeah, I think that's it. So The fans of the team that won are going to be pro what happened. And the fans of the team that lost are going to be anti what happened. Just the nature of fandom. Pretty much. That's I will say much how it goes. the one thing I felt really bad about was that this was an injury-riddled game. Not only was there Hawkinson, there was also DJ Wanham. He yeah. tore his quad. A Lions player got injured that I can't recall who it even was, but I felt like every 10 minutes I was looking up and seeing injury reports on the screen. Yeah, it was. some of that is kind of the old-school NFC North black and blue division reputation, and sometimes it just happens. I mean, we're... Week 16, there's a lot of football, a lot of wear and tear on the bodies at this point. And it's unfortunate to see it happen. Wouldn't be shocked if there's some, at least for Minnesota, some training staff turnover with all of the injuries they've had this year. You gotta, you try to find a reason, but um, it's a full contact sport. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Lions clinched their first division in 30 years. Vikings, you've got an upward shot of making the playoffs. Yeah. Now, that is really long story short. Lions clinched. And we had one other team clinch this weekend. It was the Miami Dolphins. Uh, They did not clinch their division, but they did clinch a playoff spot with a win over the Cowboys. And to me, that game was the Spider-Man meme because the Dolphins and Cowboys are the same team. They're, They're good against cupcakes. They're bad against good teams. They have a good, not incredible quarterback. They have a really, really good wide receiver. There's a lot of similarities between those two teams. And bottom line, I don't trust either one of them. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And we can go even deeper and see where the conspiracies go on having head coaches named Mike and things like that. But that's true. Yeah, I think you're totally spot on there. 
the Lions are playing the Cowboys this week. They opened as five-point underdogs. I don't know if that line has since moved. I'm going to be honest. I think the Lions at least cover with how the Cowboys have played the last few weeks. Yeah, the Cowboys have not shown up. I think the current, I think it is still like five and a half or six points that Dallas is favored. It's at Dallas, which is obviously big. The Cowboys are undefeated at home this season. But man, which version of the Cowboys is going to show up? Yeah, I think you're spot on. It's it's tough. And they've been actively bad away from home. And they've been debatably the best at home. So yeah, they are definitely going to have a favor going into Dallas next weekend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Lions take their foot off the gas at all now that they've got the division clinched do you start playing a little more cautiously you know consider player health a little bit more or that that just it doesn't feel like that's the culture it feels like you're pedaled the metal full speed until the wheels fall off yeah I think Dan Campbell answered that last week when asked about it in a press conference they said, you know, are you going to rest your players? And he said they can rest in February or they can rest in the offseason. And at the end of the day, the one seed is still in play. The 49ers lost this weekend. And while the Eagles did win, the Cowboys lost. All three of those teams have the same record right now. That's really interesting how close the NFC is that we, we don't even know who's going to win the NFC East. And we don't know who's going to win the overall spot it felt like a an inevitability with the niners but mathematically there's a chance there's a chance yeah there is also a chance that the buffalo bills after a an atrocious start to the season could still end up winning their division getting into the playoffs above the miami dolphins and they are in control at the moment. They won this weekend over the Chargers. It was a close game that should not have been close, but a win's a win. And the Bills, if they win out, they are playing the Patriots and then Dolphins in Miami for Week 18. If the Bills win both of those games, I think by almost every imaginable scenario, that would mean they win the division. Yep, probably. And it'll be interesting. We had basically written the Bills off a month ago and said they were not making the playoffs. They're currently sitting at nine and six and they are rolling at the right time. Yeah. In the last two weeks, they've really showed us they can do both. They can ground and pound and have a, a knockup win against the, uh, the Cowboys or this week they can air it out still. So, uh, they're, they're pretty dangerous. I won't lie. If our power rankings were based solely off of the best team today, and that was the only thought we had, yeah, the, the top two teams could debatably, the Ravens, but then the next two teams could debatably be the Bills and the Rams. Ooh, that's really interesting. And you're right. The Rams have also gotten hot at the right time. They are projecting as a playoff team as of now sitting at eight and seven, but they look so coherent is the word that comes to mind. They, they're they just on the same page, and they play the Giants, I believe, this coming weekend, which should be a win. 
Um, and then they get the Niners to close the season because the uh, schedule makers wanted some drama there at the end. Yeah, that will certainly be exciting, to say the least. And I also, with the Rams, saw an interesting stat. Puka Nakua is 147 yards away from the rookie receiving record for receiving yards. Um, his quarterback is Matthew Stafford. The all-time single-season receiving record was set by your boy, Megatron, Calvin Johnson. Yep. It, his quarterback was Matthew Stafford. And arguably the single greatest season by a receiver, Cooper Cup with a triple crown, led the league in yards, receptions, and touchdowns. It was the second most receiving yards in a single season of all time. His quarterback was, oh yeah, Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I think three's a pattern, right? Three is a pattern. Matthew Stafford is consistently making receivers around him excellent. Yeah, I I don't know if Stafford is going to make the Hall of Fame, but the way he's playing right now and the numbers that he has put up historically, he's certainly putting it on voters' mind come 10, 15 years from now. Yeah, yeah, and I think if he gets this Rams team to the playoffs, that gets mentioned in that presentation as well. At this point, if you watch a Rams game, he's often referred to as future Hall of Famer Matthew Stafford. I want to pump the brakes on that a little bit. I don't think that it's set in stone the way that it's kind of being portrayed. But it is a conversation, for sure. Definitely a conversation. And I think it's remarkable that he, at this point in his career, has not declined. Yeah, I I mean... I'm going to toot my own horn on this one, but week one of the AD's office, what did we say? We said, the Seahawks are probably the third best team in this division. Nobody's going to believe me when I say that, but are we really writing off the Rams who had a terrible year last year as Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford and the list goes on and on was injured? You take the five best players off of any team and they're going to look like trash. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely true. Yeah. All of a sudden, they all, outside of Jalen Ramsey, come back, and wow, they're a playoff contender again. Wow, shocking. Surprise, surprise. Uh-huh. No, and we, I think we said it last week. Nobody wants to face Stafford in the playoffs. Nobody. That's just not a favorable matchup. Regardless of record, regardless of roster strength, if it is one game, winner moves on, Stafford still got some juice. Yeah, and he's shown that dude has been slinging, which is interesting because obviously prior to being in L.A., his reputation was can't win in the playoffs, can't win when it matters mm -hmm. most. He had never won a division with the Lions, obviously, and he had never won a playoff game as a wildcard team with the Lions. So here we are now, and we're saying, oh, he's the best playoff quarterback. The tides have changed a little bit as far as his reputation goes. It's true. The move to L.A. has definitely enhanced his Hall of Fame presentation and credentials. Yeah. Winning does that, I think. Winning. Winning heals a lot of wounds. Yep. For sure. I think that's uh, the entire Detroit fan base this weekend. Yeah. I saw a stat that 
said something along the lines of Detroit murder rates are historically down since like the 1940s. <laughs> it's like winning football healed part of the city. <laughs> Happier fans are less likely to literally kill people. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, correlation, maybe not causation, but who knows? Yeah, and that, that's really interesting. On the flip side of the coin, we've got the Jags who, mm. gosh, they are slowly knocking themselves out of the playoffs, potentially. They are absolutely trending the wrong direction. They signed Matt Barkley, was on the... I believe New York Giants practice squad and he got signed to the Jaguars active roster as of Tuesday which is a pretty big red flag that Trevor Lawrence is not going to be good to go. He obviously was in the concussion protocol, cleared it within 4 days, which we talked about earlier this season with Brock Purdy was basically unheard of. But then he injured his shoulder over the past weekend. The Jags without without Trevor Lawrence, they are not in there even with Trevor Lawrence, frankly, they're not super intimidating. No, no, not really. They had that hot streak a month or two ago, but that was entirely on the back and the legs of Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. Is any team in the NFL afraid of Trevor Lawrence at this point? This past weekend, he officially passed Mac Jones and the number of interceptions Oof. thrown in their career. Mac Jones has been benched like seven times this year. To be fair, had Mac Jones been starting all season, he would have thrown more interceptions. That is valid point. That it's is a bad valid. stat to have. Yeah, at some point, the Jags are going to have to ask, how committed are we to this guy? I mean, he's not bad by any means. No, but, but he was... He was heralded as Peyton Manning 2.0. Yep. And there are growing pains, but how long do you get to say, that's just growing pains, before you say, eh, the growth stopped. He's just, that's what he is. Yeah. So was that six-game stretch at the end of last season? Was that an anomaly when he was playing outstanding? Uh Doug Peterson and company are going to have some choices to make regarding mm-hmm. his future in the next year or two. Yeah, it'll be interesting. And it'll be interesting to see if the Jags even make the playoffs. I think they still probably do um, just because strength of schedule. They get to wrap up against, I believe, the Titans and Panthers. Even Oof. without Trevor Lawrence, they should be able to win their last two games. Yeah, we would finger cross, hope so, knock on wood, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Now, another team that has been getting a lot of attention, and for the wrong reasons, the Pittsburgh Steelers over the last month have been terrible, and specifically, the wide receivers, if you are on social media at all, probably saw the videos of George Pickens specifically giving zero effort, less than zero effort, when going out as a blocker. Unless the ball was coming to him, he literally just stood still. He had a response this weekend. He sure did. Thank you, George Pickens. My fantasy team loves you. Yeah, yeah. If you had the confidence to stick with Pickens in fantasy playoffs, uh, he he paid he paid back 
everything he owed you. Yeah, I didn't. Keenan Allen was just out. Well, hey, <laughs> sometimes you get lucky. For sure. For sure that. <laughs> but Pickens put up a stat, an incredible stat line. Steelers just thumped the Bengals 34 to 11. Jake Browning came back down to earth. He had three interceptions. Pickens had 195 yards and two touchdowns on four catches. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of that viral Randy Moss stat where it's something like three catches, 180 yards, two touchdowns. In three, three touchdowns. Three it, touchdowns. It was three for three. Yeah, he mossed he mossed Jerry Jones. Bonkers. Bonkers. And Pickens went bonkers. The Steelers I, I'm gonna say probably too little too late. Sitting at eight and seven. They still have good teams ahead of them to close the season. They have to play the Seahawks and Ravens both on the road. I mm, I don't think the Steelers are going to figure it out. I I think it's well too little, too late. But it was a good performance this weekend. Yeah, definitely that for sure. Bad performance of the weekend, though, and bad performance really the last month. The Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Raiders. Remember, these are the Raiders that we had as a bottom three team for about six weeks. Fired their coach in the middle of the night. And it was at Arrowhead in Kansas City, and the Chiefs lost 20-14. to The Raiders scored on a fumble, recovered for a touchdown. They had a pick six against Patrick Mahomes. And the final score, 20-14, to is actually misleading. It was 20-7 to with three minutes left in the game. That, net, that second Chiefs touchdown was garbage time. Yeah, it was a comeback attempt, but it wasn't happening at all and on one hand I'm like man Mahomes had no help and on the other hand I'm like yikes yeah and it's just not the Chiefs were used to seeing I saw a stat that was kind of mind-blowing this was the seventh time this year the Chiefs have failed to score 20 points in the last four years combined the Chiefs failed to score 20 points six times yeah, less than ideal for sure, and definitely not what we've come to expect of the Mahomes era. And I don't, I don't even know. I was looking at the box score, and I thought that there was a glitch because the Chiefs had the ball for 34 minutes. They won the time of possession. They had over a hundred more offensive yards than the Raiders. The Raiders did not complete a single pass after the first quarter. Not one. That almost makes it more impressive in my mind. You know, a few, a month ago maybe, we saw in college football, the Michigan Wolverines decided to have something along the lines of 30 consecutive run plays against, I believe it was Penn State. They just decided, all right, I'm better at this and I'm going to make a statement by saying I'm so good at doing this one specific thing that I'm going to win the game and you're going to know exactly what's coming. The Raiders kind of did the same thing with Josh Jacobs out with their star running back out. Yeah, that's exactly that. There was a divisional opponent and the Raiders said, you can't stop me. Go ahead and try. Yeah, it was kind of a traditional Raiders beatdown. They looked like the old Raiders more than they did the first month of the season Raiders. Yeah, 
And it'll be really interesting because it's basically a done deal. We're waiting for one final nail in the coffin. But the AFC Championship game, we've mentioned before, has basically been the Patrick Mahomes-Kansas City Invitational. Yep. The AFC Championship game is not going to be at Arrowhead this season. Yeah, borderline impossible. They have been mathematically eliminated from the one seed. I believe they can still be the two seed. So if, say, the Ravens are the one seed and they lose in the divisional round. Yep. If the Chiefs are the two seed or even the three seed and the two seed loses, they've got a chance. But you're absolutely right. In all likelihood, it's not going to be at Arrowhead for the first time in four years. Yeah, the Chiefs have really just, I don't know, fallen apart as we've watched. And it's it'll be interesting to see if they can put it back together. They obviously have the pedigree to go on a playoff run. That The coaching staff has right. been there. Mahomes, Kelsey, a lot of those linemen, a lot of that defense, they've been there. They just have to get there first. Yeah, it is. It is tough. I, man, I feel bad for Mahomes because he has virtually no help right now. Even Travis Kelsey has been all right. He's the league leader, I think, in yards for tight ends. But he's had so many drops, and I'm almost like, man, does Mahomes need to play wide receiver too? I even though maybe. Tough. Just chuck it up, chuck it up, and run her out. Yeah, tough, and that's that's a little bit how Brock Purdy felt this weekend as well. He had four interceptions, two of them Oof. tipped passes, one of them Christian McCaffrey yeah. running the wrong route, the other one, yep, bad throw, Brock's fault. Yep. Holy buckets, man. Like, you expect some of your stars to show out in this huge game that could theoretically secure you the one seed in the NFC. Yeah. And the Ravens winning over the 49ers, that was the eighth straight week that the Vegas underdog got the upset on Monday Night Football. Eight straight weeks. Ravens topped the Niners 33-19. to And didn't look particularly close. No, the Ravens defense showed out, making plays everywhere. Sure, they were tipped tipped balls, but that's still in the air, and you still got to yeah. come down with it, and the Ravens defense did. Five times. It was a five-interception performance. Four, obviously, you mentioned were Brock Purdy, and then Sam Darnold replaced Purdy and threw a fifth interception. And to be clear, it's not that Purdy was benched Purdy got hurt was ended up clearing concussion protocol but at that time the game was so far out of hand that yeah Kyle Shanahan wasn't worth risking more significant injury the Niners are not a bad team make no mistake we're not saying the Niners are bad but when it came down head to head the Niners and Ravens the Ravens were the better team and you and I said last week Purdy will probably have to lose the MVP Mm-hmm. Not Lamar take it. Well, this week, Lamar had a good game. Purdy had a bad game. Now it's a conversation. Yeah, and that, the MVP odds shifted mid-game. Coming into the game, Purdy was the betting favorite. By the third quarter, Lamar was the betting favorite, and Purdy was not even in the top three. And then by the next morning, 
Purdy was tied for, I believe, like seventh or eighth, tied with Dak Prescott. And Lamar is far and away the MVP betting favorite right now. McCaffrey is number two. Yeah, we will see what happens. And McCaffrey still did his thing. He scored a touchdown, but it wasn't his best game by any means. It was kind of just a beatdown for Baltimore. Yeah, and it we we talk about McCaffrey all season. I just want to throw out one uh, statistics in a vacuum can say whatever you want them to say. Christian McCaffrey, arguably the MVP of the entire league. I would say not arguably the best running back in football. No. In f- in 15 games that he has played, he has 14 touchdowns. Gus Edwards, the running back for the Baltimore Ravens, who is, I think, technically their starter slash fourth string running back. Kind of how they do things in Baltimore. He's played in 15 games, and he has 12 touchdowns. So, do with that what you will. Statistics are funny. Yeah, and that makes it look like Gus Edwards is some absolute stud. He is. He's done it on probably like, I don't know, 2 million less carries, and all of them being from the two-yard line. Yeah, I don't actually know the stats, but my guess is his average touchdown scoring distance is two yards. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would guess. But really, it what that game was, it was Purdy and it was Lamar. That's what we were watching for as fans. That's what everybody was trying to see. What does it look like when they go up against each other? Because both defenses are really, really good. The Niners got Lamar under pressure on, I think it was nine times that he was technically under pressure. He was seven for nine for over 100 yards and had a 30-yard scramble where he just beat the Blitz all by himself. Yeah, dude showed up. And that is even more impressive when you think Nick Bosa is maybe the defensive player of the year. Mm. Yeah. And then on the flip side, it's like, He's the best player on either team's defenses. But a young buck really making some noise lately for the Ravens, Kyle Hamilton, who maybe both of us wish our teams would have drafted at that number 12 pick a few years ago. Jameson Williams turning out quite a bit better than Lewis seen, which is rough. But Hamilton better than either. Yeah, I want Hamilton. Yeah, he got hurt. He's possibly out for the rest of the season. That's a big blow to that Ravens secondary. We'll see if they can recoup. Yeah, he was having a great game, and it was a knee injury, so no official word. That would be huge if the Ravens don't have him in there as they head into the playoffs. But the Ravens are one win away from securing the number one seed. If they beat the Miami Dolphins next week, the Ravens will be the number one seed, and Lamar will be very likely on pace for his second NFL MVP award. Yeah, and some curious stats there. The only other active players who have won multiple, Patrick Mahomes, who we all know what he can do, and then Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers, who not technically active right now, but Lamar about to get his second. Man, pretty good. And if Lamar does get a second, the... The entire list 
of players who have won the MVP twice. Like you said, Mahomes and Rodgers. Tom Brady was the most recent retiree. Uh, but then Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Jim Brown, Johnny Unitas, and you have Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Kurt Warner. They are all 100% in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. The only one questionable is Mahomes, but in all likelihood he'll get there. And now maybe Lamar. It's crazy to think that he was scouted as a running back coming into the NFL, and he is statistically putting together a career that could end him in Canton as a quarterback. Yeah, and he has silenced a lot of doubters on the way there. He really, really has. It'll be interesting to see what MVP voters do. It feels weird that we've talked about McCaffrey and how excellent he has been all year, and it almost inevitably goes to a quarterback. That said, and kind of landing the plane where we started, there is a Vikings-Lions parallel here. If loosely, Brett Favre, not when he was with the Vikings, but he played for the Vikings. So that's all. That's the connection I got there. Brett Favre and Barry Sanders, the Lions legend, shared the MVP award in 1997. It's happened. Yeah. Going on 30 years ago. I don't think it's happening again. That would be. Oof, man. I think some part of me just wants a non quarterback to at least get some MVP love. And we've seen non-quarterbacks get things like second-place votes recently and third-place votes. Yeah. We just haven't seen them win since 2012 with Adrian Peterson. So, ah, man, bring it, bring it around, guys. Come on, voters. Let's, let's see some mix-ups. Let's see what we can do. McCaffrey certainly could do enough the last couple weeks to cement at least his argument for being MVP. I think Offensive Player of the Year, a little bit safer. Yeah, I think he's got it virtually locked there, unless Tyreek has massive yard amounts in these last two games. But he's been injured the last couple of weeks, so I don't really know if that's happening either. It's all about staying healthy. And that is a key piece that we see in our power rankings to teams that have stayed healthy, especially at the quarterback position, are really the top half of the league. There are a couple exceptions, but our top five, we are leaning heavily on stability and lack of injury. And we actually agree on the top five again. Ravens, Niners, Bills, Dolphins, Lions. All playoff teams, probably. Yeah, and most of them have locked in their spots, but uh, money is that all of them are going to get there. We know the Ravens are getting there. We know the 49ers are getting there. Bills need a little help. We know the Dolphins and Lions are getting there. It's just a matter yeah. of when, not if. Yeah. And on the flip side, it isn't likely going to change. The Panthers, the Patriots, the Commanders, bad is bad. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The Patriots won a game, I guess. Whatever. 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 And then in our NFC North report, for the second consecutive week, we've got the other three NFC North teams outside of the Lions back-to-back-to-back with each other. And this time we agree on the ranking. 
Yeah. Vikings, Packers, Bears, below average, all three. Yeah. 18, 19, 20 is what you and I agreed on the order to be. Probably none of them are making the playoffs at this spot. Because of that Vikings loss this weekend, it looks like three teams from the NFC West could get in with the 49ers, then the Rams, and then the Seahawks. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting last couple weeks. The schedule makers did their jobs. We are actually going to have to watch all the way through week 18 to know what's happening. Yeah, yes, we certainly will. And it's probably coming down to the wire. We still got both one seeds up for grabs. And usually we had a team that started off like 13-0 and or something, but not the case this year. Nope. For some people, the pressure's off. If you're a Lions fan for the first time, well, actually, Lions fans probably haven't felt pressure in a long time either, but it was on the other side of the spectrum. So nice to be on the flip side, I suppose. Yeah, there were a few years there where we were trying to squeak in. They've made the playoffs in each of our lifetimes, never as anything better than the lowest seed in the playoffs. So good to good to be in the top three at, at, at worst. Merry Christmas, Detroit. Merry Christmas. And with that, I think Office Hours officially closed for the AD's office. Thanks for hanging out. Make sure to follow at the AD's office on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to share this with your mom. Happy holidays, guys. See ya. Thanks for joining us in the AD's office. Tune in next week as we take you through our takes on the NFL.